MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home for free daily video picks from the SGPN crew. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. Make sure to head on over and subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. We're also brought to you by Roman. Roman is the straightforward way to take care of your ED. Head on over to getroman.com slash SGP for $15 off your first month. That's getroman.com slash SGP. And finally, we're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. From April 29th to May 4th, if you deposit on Underdog Fantasy, you have a chance to win a million dollars in their best ball contest. That's right, a million dollars. Sign up now at underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. That's underground or underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And of course, if you are listening to this in the SGPN feed, first of all, thank you for listening. We really appreciate each and every one of our listeners. But we will not be in this feed much longer. If you actually go down to the link in the show notes, you can find our unique MMA Gambling Podcast feed. You can also obviously search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. We will be moving there permanently. We'll be in both places for a little while, but you want to make sure you are subscribed to the MMA Gambling Podcast feed, the unique one for our show. While you're there, of course, subscribe and make sure to leave us a a nice little comment and a nice little rating because it certainly helps us out. Um, So once again... We are in the SGPN feed now, won't be for long, and in the meantime, enjoy the show in both places. Thank you for allowing us back into your degenerate ear holes. It's the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 33. I would be your host, Jeff Fox. I am a writer-editor at Sports Gambling Podcast, and I run the MMA site, mma-manifesto.com. I uh, implore you to head over there and, uh, at the very least, enter our uh, pick contest for this week's event, and you can win yourself uh, 50 bucks anywhere you want in the world, within reason, Uh Thanks to our good friends at Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Um, so, like I said, episode uh, 33, and hopefully you're listening to this on our dedicated feed for this podcast, the MMA Gambling Podcast feed. If you are not and you're listening to it on the main Sports Gambling Podcast Network feed, uh, please find us, uh, find our feed, and subscribe to the, the new feed at MMA Gambling Podcast, because eventually we will not be on the main feed. They want to get us fist fighting degenerates off of their feet apparently so uh make sure you subscribe and thank you to everyone who has so far we're getting lots of good uh good results and uh and whatnot and we're lighting up the charts all over the world so thank you for everyone uh for listening up to this point um most of those years probably uh most of the listeners probably are here uh, because of my associate host um the brains behind all of this the uh straw that stirs the drink and all that stuff uh, they call him Gumby, but he knows nothing about the show he's revealed, and he doesn't even know the Eddie Murphy Gumby skit. So he's a bit of a fraud, but um, I love him anyway. Uh, that would be Daniel Gumby Reeland. Hi, Dan. Well, you are certainly in a good mood today because I'm the the talent of the show now. And I sure. did I did I just get a Reggie Jackson reference as well? You did. <laughs> I yeah. uh, I'm Reggie Jackson good man. Yeah. I'm gonna hit. That means I'm going to hit four or three homers in a, in our game today in in these picks at least three Hopefully. homers. <laughs> three out of three out of twelve fights. That's pretty much your <laughs> your rate. Now I'm getting back to normal now. That's pretty much your rate of uh, <laughs> of uh, rightness. I couldn't expect um, it to last. I, no, <laughs> I don't know what was going on there. It was strange, but yeah. Uh, if you've listened to the show for the first time, the dynamic is I'm I'm the bully that uh, is mean to Dan. Dan's usually nice sometimes he fights back but he's usually too polite and uh thankful that i've given him another job basically is what it is he needs to feed his children so um but yeah i just messed things up there and uh was actually kind of nice i was kind of that may be what i'm like off the air but i'm not saying that that's what i am off the air um because i might be a, a prick there too um what else was i going to say uh what else, other ridiculous thing was I going to say? I, I, I can't remember. Um, you can count on Dan probably saying oof at least a couple times. <laughs> uh, I tend to make bad jokes, and he tends to oof at them. 
um, which is probably the safest uh, reaction to have two of them. Um, also, yeah, I, I remember what I was going to say. The main, if you're listening for the first time, thank you. And the main dynamic is um, I get all my picks right, Dan gets all his picks wrong, and then I make fun of him and, and we move on to the next week, right? Pretty much. I, I will ask if, if we're going to start <laughs> with at least accusations like that, that we probably go to the numbers because I think okay. somebody has a dollar advantage over somebody else. Dan hit a plus two seventy dog. Right? <laughs> That's pretty even, much it. You didn't really. let me get that out, right? Like you Dan is uh, Dan is money wise. He's three hundred forty bucks ahead of me, so that like that covers it. That two seventy. I lost a hundred on that on that fight. You won two seventy. So that's the that's our spread right there. That's it. It's just it. it's just that <laughs> fight. Um, but I'm hitting at fifty five percent, and I'm on an upward swing. I went nine and four last week. Dan is back to his. Middling self, mediocre self, five and five, and then six and seven last week. So maybe he'll turn around this week. I, I found this week's card um, kind of hard to handicap a lot of the fights. Did you find the same, or did you have clear, clear choices? No, I found it extremely hard to handicap, and especially uh, you know the first fight we're going to get talking about in just a second is uh, a fight made from two failed fights, which right, yeah. I, I think makes it even harder to talk about because right like sometimes you can be like oh well this fighter has had a full camp preparing and this one took short notice or this one has been preparing for this guy and this guy's short notice these guys have both been preparing for very different fighters than you're about to see too uh and and i'll talk a little bit about that when we get to it but that one's a weird one you got two guys who looked terrible in their debut after that you got somebody uh, who fought high level of competition in their first fight and somebody who doesn't belong in a weight class. Um, you know, like just very weird up and down careers on a lot of these guys and weird style matchups too, I would say. So, yeah, there, there's right. so many weird things going on here. And they're, uh, unlike pay-per-views, are, tend to be a lot easier, um, at least on paper, uh, to pick stuff because it's usually established fighters or people we have a good idea of of uh, how they look in the cage. But um, that's another thing with these fight night cards. There tends to be, like in this one, there's people that we really don't, probably don't have a really good read on yet as to how they're going to look uh, look in the UFC and uh, or, or, or how they look versus certain uh, certain style matchup, like Dan was saying, or a certain weight class and all that type of stuff. So um, without any further ado, actually, let me tell you about WinBet, and then we'll actually jump right into uh, this week's uh, ESPN fight card. So WinBet is bringing you the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Jonas promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today, and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today where you can see uh, odds for pretty much every every sport you're looking for. So get in on that. All right, the car that we're dancing around uh, without actually saying what it is, um, I'm going to say his name properly. I know I, I popped down last week <laughs> by, by saying his wrong, name wrong, but it is UFC on ESPN, Reyes versus Prohashka. Oh, he uh, nailed it. The guy yeah. comes straight out of the gate, coming out hot. Of course, I heard someone on the Prelim Picker podcast say Prohashka. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. It is Prohashka. Um <laughs> So it's the UFC and ESPN Reyes versus Prohashka, UFC Fight Night Reyes versus Prohashka, UFC and ESPN 23, UFC Vegas 25, and it's probably a UFC Fight Night something too, UFC Fight Night 180, 190. Anything else you want to call it, Dan? You, you sometimes come up with good nicknames. UFC no, I, I Weird? Mean, yeah, weird U, UFC Weird Style Matchup. Weird. Okay, UFC Fight Night Weird Style Matchup. So there we go. Um, all right, let's kick things off. Wikipedia's got the middleweight fight first, but I think everybody else has got the featherweight fight that Dan was, uh, Dan was hinting at, so we'll do that one first. It would be featherweights. Uh, Luke Sanders versus Felipe Colares. Now, they, as Dan said, they both lost the opponents last minute, so they are um, they were both looking for dance partners, so voila, here we go. Um, now, were they both supposed to fight? No, they were, was one fight supposed to be featherweight and one supposed to be bantamweight, these guys? Do you know that or not? So I'm pretty sure Kolaris was supposed to be at Bantamweight, if I'm right, not yeah, mistaken. Right, yeah, okay, that's what it's yep. Because, you know, like, he, I mean, he has fought Montel Jackson, Geraldo De Freitas. Yeah. Those those guys are all Bantamweight. So I think he is yep. coming up in weight to fight Luke Sanders. Right, okay, so that's right there. There's a 
there's a nugget right there for all, all you people. He should be the smaller man you would think here, um, at least weight-wise. So let's break it down in the stats, and we'll see. Uh, so Kolaris, 9-2, um, two, two knockouts, five submissions. He's never been finished in a fight. He's got two decision losses. He's 1-2 and two in the UFC. He's basically swapping wins and losses back and forth. He lost his last fight. He, which the last fight was back in January of 2020, so he's probably would take any opponent at this point, um, regardless of weight class or who they are. Uh, he actually will be the longer man here. He may not be the thicker guy when, when uh, they actually step in the cage, but he is two inches taller and has two inches of reach on Sanders. Uh, he also has grappling stats in his favor. He's a plus 128 um, dog. As for Cool Hand Luke Sanders, who I believe formerly was Mr. Becky Lynch, I think. Do you know rumors like that? Oh, Dan, that's not? right. So I yeah, that's right. She's a she's a WWE lady? man. I, I yeah, believe she is. Yes, a lady. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay, because I don't. I, I think it's she's post my understanding of WWE. But yes, 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 I believe he was, or maybe still is. No, uh, he's not. Oh, track. Because she, she's she's married to Seth Rollins now. Do you know that guy? I don't know that, that guy, guy either. Good. It's, it's good that you don't know these things. And they just had a baby. I know all this stuff, but I don't. I haven't watched it for years. Honest, everybody. <laughs> Anyhow, I, I he's been in tail uh, tailspin. Luke Sanders has since then. It's, it's what I'm uh, I'm getting at. I think he must be heartbroken or something. So anyhow, he's thirteen and four, seven knockouts, two submissions, uh, three and four in the UFC. But like I said, he's been swapping wins and or he's been in a slump so he's been swapping wins and losses back and forth the last four fights win loss win loss last fight was a loss for people keeping track at home of the pattern there uh, it was a sub uh submission loss and Calaris actually has five submissions so there's another little hint hmm wonder who we're gonna pick here um before the ufc he was one and oh in strike force he's a year younger he has the striking stats in his favor, and he's six times more active striker uh, than Kolaris um, in terms of landing strikes, which is an insane, um, insane rate of of uh, striking. He's at minus one sixty. I think I'm going to go with Cool Hand in this due to the size and the and the striking acumen. Uh, your thoughts, Daniel? I, I'm actually going to go with Kolaris on this one, believe okay. it or not. Uh, and, and the reason is. From a couple of things you said, the length being a disadvantage to Luke Sanders, I think, is a big piece of this. Yep. Um, you, you know, like, you also have to remember Luke Sanders, while he he has fought at flyweight before and has fought plenty of fights at flyweight, his last fight was actually a catchweight at 140. So he, he seems to be attempting to come down in weight if he was not full on. He actually did fight Hani Yaya down at Bantamweight, too, at one point in time. So he's, he's fought at... Uh, featherweight, and he's fought at or, uh, bantamweight, and the the fight with Damon Jackson that he was supposed to have was at ban- or was supposed to be at featherweight. So he he is has fought bigger, but he's not that much bigger. And the reach disadvantage to me is even more problematic for him because if, if you look at his losses, you're right, they're grappling, but a lot of times too, they're grappling that he initiated. Um, you know, like the, the Yuri Alcantara loss was grappling he initiated. Um, like his willingness to grapple with Haniyaya, which like you can't be upset about getting submitted by Haniyaya because he's amazing, but like you can be bothered by the fact that he chose to grapple. So he just seems like one of those guys who wrestles quite well, and then it, that's not a good idea for him. So I, I worry about that with Kolaris, and then on top of that, I worry about the length difference. You know, like if he does get reckless. Is he going to be able to get inside enough? And you're right, he does have better accuracy. I'm just not sure that that plays well against a guy like Kolaris who can bang a little bit. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Felipe Kolaris here uh, with a little bit of a a dog pick right out of the gate. No, nothing wrong with that. But um, as for the stats, Sanders lands over six strikes a minute. Claris lands one <laughs> per minute, and he, he gets hit three times per minute. So I don't like that. But, but, um, but to be fair on that, too, let, let me let me give people some context for that. So he did just come off of fighting Montel Jackson. Montel Jackson, notoriously a very strong wrestler, took him down 11 times. Okay, First of all, Montel Jackson, we don't have to worry about Luke Sanders taking him down 11 times because he's not as good of a wrestler as Montel no. Jackson. But in that fight, it lasted 15 minutes. He went the distance with Montel Jackson, and he only landed seven strikes, largely because he was on his back the whole time. That does fuck up your stats quite a little bit there. 
No, very true. Very true. I, I don't have super, super strong feelings on this. I, I'm, I'm still going with Sanders, but no shame in taking Colaris or Colaris, if you rather. Now, this fight should be kicking off around. I forgot to tell you the start time. It should be around 7 p.m. Eastern. That's as of now when the fight card is set to go down on Saturday. Uh, the prelims are on ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. Main card on uh, the same, ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. I think that might have changed. I thought it was on regular. Big ESPN, but perhaps not. Uh, the main card is starting at 10 uh, p.m. So there you go. We got that out of the way. So, all right. We differed already, which is uh, which should make fun viewing um, come this weekend. So, middleweights next. Andreas Mikolaitis versus Katie Bular. Um, yeah, another thing I forgot to mention off the bat. I don't think we have any chunky guys this event, right? I didn't. None mm. jumped off the page of me. Which no, is sad. I don't think so. <laughs> All <laughs> the guys at bigger weight classes are like chiseled giants. Like, right. You know, like Dustin Jacoby, yes. who we'll talk about later, is built like a right. house, or Yuri yep. Pohashka is built like some sort of skyscraper. <laughs> yep. Now, the reason I thought I mentioned that here is because we don't have chunky guys, but we do have uh, uh, my fellow Canadians, which is another. A uh, trope of ours, me fading on all the Canadians on the fight cards. So we've got, oh, we've got three, I think, at least. Uh, and here's the first one: will be KB Bular against uh, Michaelitis in this uh, middleweight fight. Um, Bular eight and one, uh, four knockouts, two submissions. He won his first eight fights to get into the UFC, and then he lost his UFC debut where he got TKO'd. He will be the bigger man here, four inches taller, two inches reach, and also three years younger. So he's got some. Significant advantages there. He's at plus 200 right now. Michaelitis, um, 12 and 4, seven knockouts, four submissions. He got, he's been knocked out four times though. Uh, so all four of his losses are via knockout. So that's something to note. He also got TKO'd in his UFC debut, but it was against another, uh, uber middleweight prospect, Modestus Bukowskis. Um, before that, he won three straight fights. He, we were talking very small sample size of stats. Both guys have only fought once within the UFC octagon, but he does have the striking stats in his favor. Michaelitis, that would be. And he's also, he was, in his one lone fight, he was four times more active of striker than Bular. He's at minus 260. Um, that's a big line, but I'll, I'll be taking him regardless. Yeah, I'm going to take, uh... Andreas Michaelitis here as well. I would say this, too. It's worth noting that that fight with, with Modestus Bukowskis happened on short notice, up at light heavyweight. Right. And the stoppage was really weird. For for people who don't remember, he, he definitely got banged up in that first round when, when Bukowskis took him down. Uh, and he looked a little bit worse for the wear. The referee told him to stand up. And he went to just reach for the cage to use that to kind of prop himself up or to help himself up. And somebody opened the door right as he did it, and he fell out of the cage. And the refs called it off like he couldn't stand up or didn't know how to stand up. Um, and, and do I think it was a bad stoppage? Not necessarily. He was getting beat up pretty bad. But on the same token, like, he probably was about to go into the second round against Modestus Bukowskis at light heavyweight. Now he's right. coming down a division to a guy who got jabbed out. That, that TKO was straight up by a jab from Tom Brees. You can't feel real good about KB Buller in this fight. And I would say this, no. too, about Michaelitis. Michaelitis is electric on the feet. Like, if you've gotten to see him in an actual middleweight bout back when he was on the regional circuit, the dude throws spinning thing after spinning thing and hook kicks and question mark kicks. And, dude, he's got such a fun arsenal of, of punches and kicks he throws. Dude, it's just so much fun to watch. it, And I think... KB Buller had a tough time getting on the inside and boxing with Tom Brees, which, you know, Tom Brees, I largely think, is a guy who prefers to grapple anyway or should prefer to grapple anyway. He's going to fight a more dynamic striker this time. He's going to fight a guy who was willing to go toe-to-toe with Modestus Bukowskis at light heavyweight. You know, I think I think uh, Michaelitis is going to win this, and, and to be honest with you, I think he's going to knock out Buller, too. There you go. You got a prop, everybody. Yeah, he. I didn't really like matching up two top prospects like they did um, in McLeodis and Pukowskis' uh, fight there. But, um, yeah, I think he's a heck of a prospect. So we are both going with him in this one. And that's one um, Canadian that I say do not take, like as per usual. Dan Hattie, guest on his one of his other podcasts this week, uh, Canadian on Prelim Picker, and he felt obligated, I think, to pick Canadian. So I 
I am the opposite. The he money said he, is in he not. He said he felt obligated to pick him, and then he still didn't pick Buller. So uh, you know, <laughs> that's true. But, hey, there you go. Yes, right. Yeah, right. and and not for anything <laughs> too. It was it was Manpreet Jazz who was uh, assisting me, who is of Indian descent as well, and right. it was an Indian Canadian guy he was right. picking against. So. I mean, like, if you feel like you have to support your countrymen <laughs> and, and support, you know, on multiple levels, and you still don't pick them, like, yeah. hey, that's here's your sign right here. <laughs> there you, very good point. Very good point. All right, um, women's strawweight next. Luma Lukbunmi versus Sam Hughes. Before I break it down, uh, what's her real name? Lukbunmi. Do you know her oh, real name? Oh yeah, then? it's um. Oh man, I <laughs> that is not her real this, name. I looked it up this week too. Ah uh, man, I almost had a feeling that you were going to ask me too. <laughs> I looked it up on her <laughs> Wikipedia page. Lukbunmi refers is a reference to her dad's Muay Thai school, though. I do know that. Yeah, um, the Thai. The Thais, Muay Thai fighters do that. They tend to take on the last name of whatever school they're from. So you see a lot of fair taxes and, and stuff like that, which is kind of A lot of sit your tongs. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah. So her real name is Sufasara Konlak. That's that's kind of – I don't know if that's more bad. I think it's more badass. Yeah, I think it I is. like that. And she's also fought under the names Kanda Poor Muengpech and Kanda – uh, Kokite Jim. So that must be a gym. Kokite Jim. <laughs> Kanda Kokite Jim and Kanda Poor Moing Patch. So there you go. <laughs> well, you, you took a name that you did great with, by the way, in yep. Lumaluk Bume, and you just decided to say her, all of her other names all so her that you could well, screw them up. <laughs> yeah. uh, I love Thai food, so I, it's, uh, the least I could do is try to pronounce her name. So, um, and she will be fighting against Sam Hughes, who I, Maybe Samantha might be her real name. Um, <laughs> other than that, I don't think we're going to get anything crazy with her. Um, so Sam Hughes, 5-2 and two, with one knockout, three submissions. She lost her UFC debut where she got TKO'd. That was against um, Tisha Torres, right? Wasn't it? Yeah, she fought Tisha right. Torres. She got TKO'd. Uh, doctor stoppage in between rounds. Too. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough beginning. And she doesn't get a heck of a lot easier for her in her second fight. She will be the bigger fighter here four inches taller three inches of reach uh because look boomy technically basically is an atom weight but uh, 105 pounder but uh ufc does not have that division yet so she is at 115 pounds uh if you want hughes uh plus 280 uh i suggest you don't you don't want her but if you do all right uh the woman with a bunch of names more names than a ufc fight card uh luma look boomy um she's five and two with one knockout so if you're gonna bet her I would say go submit, uh, go uh, decision. Um, she's not a finisher, at least MMA-wise, she's not a finisher. Uh, she does have an extensive Muay Thai ex- uh, background, too, since before moving into the UFC slash uh, MMA. She is 2-1 in the UFC, won her last fight, so she swapped wins and losses. Uh, before that, she was 2-0 in Bellator. Bellator or Invicta? I wrote Bellator. Was in, she in Victor, it was Invicta, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was Invicta. Yeah, she wasn't in Bellator. Bellator doesn't have girls that small. Um, she's four years younger Striking and active striking and grappling stats are in her favor, but we're talking only one fight for Hughes. Um, and she's a minus 375. I'll be taking her even though she's got a massive line beside her. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't love negative 375. I, I don't like that even a little bit for her because, you know, she does have a ton of experience behind her, but you're right. She's an atom weight fighting at straw weight because they won't add an atom weight division. And I actually right. think if they did add an atom weight division, we'd be talking about her being top five to ten in that division, maybe. You know, like if they if they invested and actually filled it out. You know, like she she's legit. Um, and and yep. the thing I love about her the most and I find the most interesting about her, too, is, man, her foot trips are just so fun to watch. Like, when she gets in the clinch, you know, a lot of times we talk about Thai fighters having, oh, they got good knees or, oh, they got good elbows. She has for sure got those things, but she also has good trips. And she just puts people on their ass and backs away. So when she feels like she's not getting the upper hand, she just does that and gets away. And I think that that is going to be a big piece for her here against Sam Hughes. Sam Hughes, a fighter who is going to want to turn this into a grappling match, is going to want to bulldog her way in, is going to want to use her size. And I think, you know, Luke Bume just being more technical in doing those types of things where she she just tries to, to you know, trip her and get away from her and then starts kicking the legs and stuff like that. I think that's going to be enough here. And you're right. If you're going to pick Luke Bume, you might as well pick her with the decision prop too because she ain't going to finish her. Uh, but I actually don't think, and I don't have the odds in front of me on that prop, but 
I don't think those odds are going to be any better, really, than the negative 375. You might get down into the neg- high negative 200s, but still probably enough, not enough for me to love. Yeah, that's that's the most um, most expected outcome here would be look boomy versus de- via decision. So you're going to get a better number, but not a crazy better number. And we're both apparently too lazy to look it up, so we'll, we'll just we'll just leave it at that. So put the intern on. Yeah, we'll put the intern on. So uh, we've got three fights in the books. There we we differed on one, um, but Dan uh, threw out a, uh, and I threw out a couple props for you there already. So we're, we're starting early. Uh, before we move on, let me tell you about Roman. Uh, look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three putt with a tournament on the line. So if you feel like you come up short in the bedroom, sometimes it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to getroman.com/sgp now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships you free with two-day shipping. Whole process is straightforward and discreet. Get started is getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com/sgp and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. So go to GetRoman.com slash SGP now and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. GetRoman.com slash SGP. Get started now and save 15 bucks in your first month of treatment. All right, moving on to... So, so before we move hmm. on, I did put yep. the intern on it. Only yep. negative 145 for Luke Bouvet. Uh, get on that. I, I like that prop. That's a fun yep. prop now. Get on that, everybody. Get on that. Thank you, intern. Um, featherweights. Kai Kamaka the third, which is an awesome name, versus T.J. Brown, who is another Canadian, right? Yeah. No, I sure. think he's an American. T.J. Brown guy. is it? That's a total Canadian he name. Is, though. I think he, he might is that. from Little Rock, Arkansas. He could not oh, be less Canadian. Right. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> no. All right. Now I can pick him. Good. All right. Uh, he's 14 and eight with four knockouts and nine submissions. So we've got ourselves a finisher here in a smaller weight class, a lighter weight class too. Uh, however, 0-2 in the UFC, uh, he won his way in on the Contender Series, so he's won it on Contender Series. He will be the bigger man here, 2 inches taller and 3 inches of reach. He's at plus 135. Uh, Kai Kamaka III, 8-3 with one submission uh, to his record. That's it, no knockouts. Uh, he's not a finisher. Uh, 1-1 in the UFC, he got TKO'd his last fight. 2-0 in Bellator, he's five years younger, twice uh, the act, twice more active uh, striker, landing strikes than Brown. Minus 170, I'll be going with my first dog of the day, and TJ Brown here, plus 135. And I'm going to join you along with that dog, too. I, look, I love Kai Kamaka. I thought his debut fight against Tony Kelly, it made me instantly fans of him and Tony Kelly. I'll watch him and Tony Kelly. Either of them fight, no matter who they're fighting, I'll be interested in watching them fight, because I just think they bring a really fun style. But Kai Kamaka in his last fight against Jonathan Pierce, who, who we'll talk about a little later on, he just looked like he had a lot of trouble with the takedown. And, and the thing is about TJ Brown, despite his losses, he actually is pretty damn good at wrestling. Uh, I mean, like, he was on pace to beat Jordan Griffin. He was taking him down, controlling him, getting into good positions. When he got himself choked out with kind of a dumb submission that he, he shouldn't have gotten himself stuck in, um, he got, like, Marcella teamed with, from top side control. Um, it, it was some really wild stuff. But I'll just say he, his grappling is better than his record even suggests. And in addition to that, if you go back out of the regional scene, dude, he's got tons of arm triangle chokes, a couple of rear naked chokes in there. He's got good hands. I, I just think that this is a fight where he is going to get uh, – he's going to get Kai Kamaka to the ground and – I think, I don't know how long he's been working with James Krause, but my understanding is he is now working with James Krause, which automatically gives you like a 5% submission and grit boost. So, yeah, yep. I'm going to go with TJ Brown here. And like I said, if you want to get super crazy, we're going to go prop crazy on this card. Whoa. I don't hate him by submission. I think, well, that's nine, a really, I think that's a fun prop. What, 9 out of 14 wins are via submission, so that's not crazy at all. Has Kamaka lost via submission? Submission though I'm not sure. I'm not sure uh, he has so few losses, gonna, right? Right, yeah. Uh, he's got three losses. Let me. Um, he, let me. I'm going to check real quick. Dan's going to vamp while I check. Well, well while you, you check real quick, I will tell uh-huh. you that the prop that I just offered you, T.J. Brown. Yeah. So whether or not Kai Kamaga yeah. has been submitted, 
may be immaterial. He is not, no. Okay, but I am about to tell you that T.J. Brown by submission is a big, fat plus 650. So, uh, you know, again, you you might not want to empty the bank account on it, but it's certainly an interesting one. You don't have to. Yeah, degenerates are all over that one. So you may want to grab that. He's he's lost twice via knockout, nonce via via (laughs) submission. So... Uh, but you say still, that's that's a pretty um, enticing number there. Uh, let's move to another featherweight fight: Gabriel Mogli Benitez versus Jonathan JSP Pierce. He stole <laughs> a nickname from a Canadian of mine, so can I pick him? Hmm, does that make him a Canadian or not? Even though he's from Tennessee, is that, I think. Does that? Um, we'll see. Let's break it down. and We'll see who Jeff takes. Everybody. So Jonathan Pierce is ten and four, eight knockouts, one submission. 1-1 in the UFC, he got TKO'd his last fight. He's 1-0 on the Contender Series. Uh, he also is 2-0 in Bellator, so we were talking some high-level experience for this guy. Four, uh, four inches taller, four years younger, twice uh, more active a striker than Benitez. He also has grappling stats in his favor. He's plus 175. Benitez, 22-8 with eight knockouts, 10 submissions. 6-4 in the UFC, he also got TKO'd his last fight. 1-2 um, in, in the UFC, uh, last two fights were at, at 155 pounds, lightweight. Uh, uh, this one will be down at featherweight again. He's at minus 225. I've been saying all my picks first, so let, let's let Dan have uh, have the shine here first this time. I, I'm going to go with another underdog. I can't believe I'm saying this because I, I Me too. Like I'm loading up on underdogs on this, uh, especially on the prelims. But I, I, think John, I think Jonathan Pierce is wildly underrated, if we're being honest. Like, he, he went in there, and, and he had a tough time with Joe Lozon in his debut in Boston. Right, like who wouldn't right. have trouble with Joe Lozon in his backyard with you know a whole section dedicated to people wearing Joe Lozon T-shirts? So like, and and in that fight too, you know his grappling didn't look good, but it's largely because he got hit in the face really freaking hard before they hit the ground. So you know yep. the, the old saying, you know, you hit a black belt in the face and he becomes a brown belt. Hit him again and he becomes a purple belt. You know, I think Jonathan Pierce was somewhere near a negative white belt with negative 75 stripes by the time that Joe Lozon got, you know, ready to really do damage with his grappling. So I think what he did in his second fight is far more interesting. You know, I I mentioned he he grappled up Kai Kamaka. He looked really good doing it. He's also got a lot of, not a lot of reach difference in this fight because for some reason Gabriel Benitez's reach measures the same as giant Jonathan Pierce. But he's, yeah. he, he's got a lot of size on him, and, and I think that that's going to play a lot into this, especially if it gets pressed against the cage, which with Benitez is kind of like reckless, uh, push-forward, aggressive style. I think they're going to wind up clinching up enough that, that there's going to be the entries there for Jonathan Pierce. He's going to get this to the ground, and, and i like him to at least win enough rounds via that way uh, to win this fight. Why do you think we're getting him at plus 175? That's a big number. I, I think mostly it's probably a recency bias on Gabriel Benitez because Gabriel Benitez, first of all, he's an AKA guy. And he is coming off of, he had two losses in a row. Granted, they were to Sadiq Youssef and Omar Morales, who are good fighters. But then he won by, like, that really fun knee to the body against Justin Janes that, like, crippled right. him. And I think people remember that, right? Like, it's a very memorable fight. Whereas Jonathan Pierce did go out, look like a complete fighter against Kai Kamaka. But, like, in that fight, did he do something that made you go, whoa, Jonathan Pierce? No, he grinded out a guy and then TKO'd him with some ground and pound. And, like, yeah, it was a good fight, but, like, it wasn't that, like, highlight reel that everybody remembers. The highlight reel that everybody right. remembers is getting dropped by Joe Lozon. So yeah. I, I think part of it's that kind of bias, like, seeing the, the big action. And Benitez has been in the UFC for a really long time, so that could be some of it, too. But, yeah, I, I think this plus number is a steal. Right. Uh, and I, I did misspeak. Both guys won the last fights via TKO. I, I believe I said they both lost, but they both won both their fights via TKO. Um, all right, let's, let's take you to an actual Canadian, not someone just stealing their nickname or having a Canadian sounding name. We'll go to the main event currently of the prelims, which will be women's strawweight, Randa Marcos, uh, the quiet storm who is a Canadian, uh, versus, uh, the debut in Luana Pinheiro. Um, Marcos, 10, 10, and 1 as a pro with four submissions. Uh, 6, 9, and 1 in the UFC. That's, she's had a rough go, but she's, she's been, to be fair, she got in the UFC, uh, early in her career and she's been fed a tough diet of fighters. Uh, she's lost her last three, 
has only won one of her last uh, five. Before this, she was in the tough house and she was 2 1, uh, Ultimate Fighter. She's got two inches of height, one inch of reach. Grappling stats in her favor, plus 145. Uh, Pinero is coming here off of a uh, successful Dana White Contender Series performance. This will be her debut. She's 8 1, never been finished, so that was a decision loss. She's got two knockouts, five submissions. She is a finisher at uh, women's draw weight, surprisingly. Uh, she's won six straight fights. Uh, all via stoppages. Two knockouts, four submissions. Very impressive. Seven years younger than Marcos. Uh, more active striker and has striking stats in her favor. Both, but we're talking about one fight uh, basis for all the striking stats and the grappling stats. Uh, she's at minus 185. I'm going against the Canadian, of course. Uh, I'll be taking the fairly unknown Pinheiro. What can you tell us about her and what are your thoughts on this so, fight? So usually I crap all over you when you go against the Canadians, but I'm going to yep. ride with you here again too. The, yeah. the interesting thing about Pinheiro is that like she she won her way into the UFC on like a very, very fun striking clinic that she put on Stephanie Frosto and she, she dropped her. But the, the book on her coming in is she's actually a submission artist. Like she's a really fun submission yep. artist. And if you, like, like you said, when you were reading off that list, you know, she's Five of eight of, wins. Yeah, and she's coming off back-to-back knockouts with her hands, so her hands are clearly getting better. And against yep. good competition. Stephanie Frosto is no joke. She beat Helen Harper right. before that, who, again, you know, maybe not the best record, but she's she's a fun prospect out of uh, out of England, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, she was fighting in Brave CF, which is a really good organization to be fighting in, and she was finishing people easy. Um, so, and, and I know the background is judo. You know the the, the obvious comparisons to to Ronda Rousey appear whenever somebody comes in with a judo background. But like, if you think about the people who have given Randa Marcos trouble in her career, it's the people who can take down Randa Marcos and stop Randa Marcos from taking them down. Right? Like, look at her last three losses. She lost to Kanako Murata, who is an incredible wrestler from Japan. Mackenzie Dern, who's the greatest grappler in maybe women's MMA history, right? Like, she's the Demian Maya of women's, the women's side. And Amanda Hibots, who, who does an excellent job at stuffing takedowns and has nice stuff herself. Go back before, she lost to Claudia Gedalia, she lost to Nina Nunes. Like, those are just the type of fighters she loses to. Sure, Panera is the newcomer here, but, you know, I, all of those red flags just pop up way too much, and I, I think you got to go with the newcomer. Yep, there you go. Take that, Canadians. Uh, I will not bet on you. <laughs> I will not lose money just because you're a Canadian of mine. All right, so that wraps up the prelims. Let me tell you about our last two sponsors, then we will go sponsor-free for the main card. Um, we got a new one here. <clears throat> so Dan will um, make a trumpet noise now because we have a new sponsor. Go. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. <laughs> it's called Underdog Fantasy. And how would you guys like to win a million bucks? So that's what I'm going to tell you how to do. If you haven't played on Underdog Fantasy, you have to check out their fantasy best ball tournaments are some of the best around. Even better is their NFL Draft Weekend Special. Sign up between April 29th and May 4th, and you'll have a chance to win a million dollars. That's right, one million dollars. When you go to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN, you'll get $25 free, which you can use to enter their Best Ball Mania 2 tournament. SGP will be running private best ball drafts for the listeners as well. This is a limited time offer that ends May 4th, so go to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGP for your chance to win a million dollars. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGP. And as I clear my throat, let me tell you about the last uh, person, the spot where you can see my beautiful face, betterland.vegas. Betterland.vegas is like YouTube, but for what hashtag the gens only care about, which is sports betting. The crew over at SGPN are giving out free daily video picks on our Better Than Vegas profile page. Uh, Mine are run every Saturday that there's a UFC event. I will give you some Winning picks, hopefully winning picks. Better Than Vegas is always running a ton of free contests as well, and they have a bunch of free picks and handicappers for you to check out. So make sure you subscribe to our profile so you don't miss a pick at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And if you want to check out Dan's other family, uh, Top Turtle, go <laughs> ahead and su- subscribe to that also. Um, <clears throat> let's go with the main card on ESPN2, 10 o'clock start. Oh, this is at the UFC Apex. We're back to the small cage and the small crowds in the UFC's home building. So women's flyweight, Pollyanna Botello versus Luana Carolina. I think it's the first time we've ever had two Luanas on a card, at least in back-to-back fights probably. There's, say, a, right? there's a stat for you. Yeah, see, that'll, <laughs> take, that'll help 
if you make your picks uh, here, guys. Um, let's go with Luana Carolina first. Will we go with two, pick two Luanas in a row to win? Let's find out. She's 6-2. and Two, two knockouts, one submission. She's 1-1 one one in the UFC. She lost her last fight via submission. She was 1-0 on oh the Contender Series. Twinches taller, five years younger than Botello. She is twice uh, more active a striker than Botello. She's at plus 185. Botello's 8-3 and three with six knockouts. 3-2 and two in the UFC. She lost her last fight. She's only won one of her last three. Two inches taller, striking stats in her favor, minus 240. Uh, who you got here, Dan? I got a bit of a question mark beside my pick here. I, I'm going to go with Botelho. Uh, I think in this fight, you're right. She only has won one of her last three. But you, you got to remember that, you know, one of those fights is against Cynthia Calvillo. And the other one right. is against Jillian Robertson, up a weight class. So, like, yeah, like, of course you don't feel good about losses like that. But, man, those are two tough losses to have on there. She looked great against Siri Kondo. She looked good against Pro Gonzalez. She looked great against Lauren Muller, but she, like, took care of Lauren Muller. So, like, I'm actually a lot higher on her. When Luana Carolina came into the UFC, I was high on her. I thought her Muay Thai was fun. Her elbows from short range was fun. But it just seems like like the aggression she needs in order to be super successful and her ability to control the position is not what it needs to be in order to, to sort of capitalize on those those skills that I think she clearly has. So I, I think with Botelho here, I, I think she's the right kind of opponent to make uh, Carolina continue to not be able to make, make good on those. And she probably just controls this fight enough. I have to say I'm not super convinced on either of these two, and it, it certainly makes – this is a weird fight for me because, like, both of them have weird holes, and you're kind of just wondering which one's going to exploit the other ones quicker. Um, so I, I kind of think Botelho just manhandles Carolina a little bit. Yeah, I'm picking her too. I just wasn't a fan of the minus two, 240 number. Yeah, but it's, a, it's another one of those ones where you look at the number and you're like, where did we come up with this? And it's got to be that the last time we saw Luana Carolina, she had her knee backwards, like straight up backwards. Um, that might do it. And, and like maybe people are like, well, I don't know how she's going to recover, which maybe is another thing we should you know convince ourselves of. Maybe she hasn't recovered. Uh, she didn't get full Chris Weidman, but she, she her knee looks bad. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. Uh, that may be maybe the reason, but we'll uh, we have to pick a winner. We have to bet a hundred bucks in every fight. Oh, I forgot to tell those grab rules too for the new listeners. You have to bet a hundred bucks in every one of these fights. So hopefully you you got a big uh, bankroll because um, you're not going to lose though if you listen to us. So don't worry about that. You just have to have someone back you the money to to begin with. All right, uh, Bannerweights Mirab Divish versus Cody Stamen Divishvili. What is that noise, Dan? Is that a laugh? It was a laugh. It was. I was trying to restrain my laugh so to allow you to continue to say Marab Devalishvili. Devalish. It sounded some like some kind of odd, weird Massachusetts animal. I don't know about. All right, let's uh, let's break her down, shall we? Uh, Cody Stamen or Stamen. You gonna laugh about that too? That one's uh, less funny than Devalishvili. <laughs> it is less funny. It's true. Uh, he's nineteen three and one with six knockouts, two submissions, five two and one in the UFC. Lost his last fight. His last three fights, he's had a a win, a loss, and a draw. So he's done it all except for no contest. Uh, his last two fights were at 145-pound featherweight division. This one is down at bantamweight. He's got striking and active striking stats in his favor, plus 185. Um, Mirab Davalishvili is 12-4 and four with two knockouts, one submission. If you're going with him, you probably don't want to pick a finish. He's 5-2 and two in the UFC. He's won five straight fights. So he didn't start off so hot. Losing his first two, but he's won five straight. He's got four inches of reach, two years younger, grappling stats in his favor, minus 240. I'm saying he's going to make it six straight after Saturday night. Yeah, I'm going with Dvashvili, too. Look, he's a beast. He's so good at wrestling. I think in order to beat him, you have to add in somebody who is going to push him with the striking enough to make him hesitate on his takedowns. Because I, I don't think matching him grappling for grappling is a good idea. Uh, in any sort of fight. And, and I think if you're Cody Stamen, I, I think you sort of have to live in a realm where you think that you can go, you know, takedown for takedown with him or you can stuff him enough. And I'm just not sure that that's true about Cody Stamen. I mean, like, if you look at the guys he's lost to, like, he got out grappled by Aljamain Sterling, who is literally Marab Devalishvili's number one training partner and maybe is not even as good at takedowns. Like, he's definitely better at jiu-jitsu, but he's not as good at takedowns as Devalishvili. 
I think Dvalishvili in this fight is probably just going to rack up so many takedowns that you give him the decision. I expect Cody Stamen to keep getting up, but I expect Marab to just be on him like a dog on a bone. Yep. Yeah, this is not a, a good match matchup. And like like we said, uh, six straight um, after Saturday night. Uh, next fight with another big well, we're getting some fights with some big, big betting lines um, here, which is making me pause with my obvious picks. Uh, middleweight, Sean Strickland, Christoph Jotko. Um, Jotko is 22-4 with six knockouts, one submission. Not a finisher. 9-4 uh, in the UFC. He has won three straight, though. Before that, he lost three straight. So maybe he's going to lose three straight going forward. Who knows? Um, I'm all about the math and the patterns. He's got an inch of reach, so we're talking not much there, negligible. Plus 195. Strickland has come back uh, like a house on fire after a motorcycle accident. He's 22-3, and three, 10 knockouts, 4 submissions, 9-3 and three in the UFC. So both guys are very, very similar in the UFC careers. He's also won three straight. Two years younger, more active striker. Um, he's, I think he's moved up to like top five in my in my uh, performance rankings for, for middleweight. He's a bit of a sleeper here. Um, but he's uh, – apparently the bookies may have been reading my, my MMA manifesto site because they have him at minus 250, which seems pretty high. I was leaning to picking him, but I'm not sure about that number. Let's talk, let's talk it over again. I, I actually don't feel awful about that number because I will nope. say, you know, when you look back at his record and you're like, ah, you know, he's got some losses on there. He does have a losses to Eliza Zaleski, Dos Santos, and Kamar Usman, right? Like, those, not bad, not some bad losses to have. And also, you know, you mentioned he had that time off, right? He was away for yeah. almost exactly two years after a motorcycle accident. He came back as a middleweight. He chose not to go back to, to welterweight and to continue right. killing himself with a cut. And he is massive. Like, he's a big dude. He's 6'1", and he's got, like, a very large frame. So, with that being said, and as a matter of fact, did he even miss weight last time? Oh, no, they had it at catch weight. He wound up doing Right, yeah, it was 190, I think. That's right, yeah. 195, I think. So, was it? Okay. he's a big dude. The fact that he used to do welterweight, I think, was doing him a disservice. And, man, I could not be more impressed in his hands at middleweight because he, he was a guy who I thought of as kind of a grappler down at, at welterweight. And now at middleweight, dude, he jacked up Jack Marshman and was absolutely, yeah. like, jawing at him. And then he finished Brendan Allen, who I happen to think is damn good. Like, I'm a big yeah. fan of Brendan Allen. So, like, I think those two things combined, like, the fact that he is now in a comfortable weight class, yeah, I don't like the line either. But Christoph Jaco is a guy who's kind of lost some of those fights that you expect him to win, right? Like, he lost to David Branch. He, he got knocked out by Brad Tavares, which, you know, not to be mean to Brad Tavares, but, like, I feel like Brad Tavares has not finished anybody other than Christoph Jaco since, like, maybe in the UFC. Like, has he ever finished anybody in the UFC other than Christoph Jaco? Like, like uh, that might be one of those ones we have to put the intern on. But, like, Jaco is <laughs> not crazy. Okay, the intern just uh, returned. Uh, he's really good at what he does. He has yeah. one other finish in the UFC. It happened at UFC 125. Get this. UFC 125 when he knocked out Phil Baroni. So, like, Phil Brad Baroni. Tav yeah, Phil, Phil, Phil Baroni of all people. Brad Tavares is not a finisher, and he still had no problem finishing Christoph Jaco. So, hey, like, Strickland with those hands, man, is not a fun person to be standing across if there's any question about your chin. All right, so I don't feel so bad about the line, then. We will go with Strickland and win a couple bucks. All right, lot of heavyweights. Ayan Kutilaba versus Justin Justin. How about Dustin Jacoby, not Justin Jacoby? Um, <laughs> he is coming in here late replacement. Um, it's very late. It didn't was it? How long? How long is he in here? Ten days, ten I think. Days. He yeah, got okay. the, the notification. And I will rem remind you all of late replacements are only winning thirty five percent of the time since twenty started twenty twenty. So we're coming up in a year and a half. So not uh, the odds are stacked against him, say the least. So. Um, Jacoby, 13 and 5 with nine knockouts, one submission. He's 2 and 2 in the UFC. Uh, he fought in the UFC, what, decades, ages ago. I mean, a literal decade. decade, I'm pretty sure. It, it, yeah, he, he, it, I think it was around 2010, 2011. He lost those two fights. He got re signed recently and he's won two fights. So he's 2 and 2 in the UFC. He's won two straight. Uh, he had to fight his way in, though, on the contender series. He won a fight there. Uh, when he was out of the UFC, he was 0 2 in Bellator 0 1 in the World Series of Fighting. 
he has won four straight fights now. Like I said, this is very late replacement for him. He's two inches taller, one inch of reach. Striking stats in his favor. He's at plus 108, so a slight dog. Kudalaba, 15 and 6 with one no contest, 12 knockouts, two submissions. So he's, you may want to pick him via finish if you're going to pick him. He's finished every one of his wins is up one. Uh, four or five in the UFC. He's lost his last two, only won one of his last four. He got knocked out his last two fights. Uh, he's five years younger, more active striker, grappling stats in his favor, minus 135. Uh, what do you think? And Gumby. I think I'm going to go with another underdog here. I think I'm going to okay. take Dustin Jacoby because, you know, you mentioned his record not being great, right? Like, if you go back to those Bellator fights, I mean, you can count the World Series of Fighting fight, but that was World Series of Fighting 1. Yes, <laughs> it, was it was. Their very first event. And, yeah, he made his UFC debut at UFC 137, Penn versus Diaz. Uh, so, like, he he was in the UFC a long time ago. Now, the other thing I really like about him here is that he spent a lot of that time away from the UFC in glory kickboxing. He actually wanted right. to take in a whole lot of kickboxing fights. Did really well, too. He's going to have more length here than Kudalaba. He's going to uh, obviously have a kickboxing advantage, in my opinion. And we're looking at Kudalaba, who got absolutely jacked up in his last two fights. And not to take anything from Magomed uh, Ankulaev, but like... You know, Megamed Ankolaev is kind of like one of those Russian wrestler types. Sure, he's got a couple of knockouts here or there, but, like, to to be knocked silly by, by Ankolaev two times in a row, and, yeah, one of them might have been an early stoppage. might not really have been all that early, actually. Um, the second one certainly wasn't. You know, if his brain has, you know, been rattled around a couple of times by a guy who isn't a professional kickboxer, uh, you know, I, I like the, the chances of even Jacoby on, on short notice here coming in and, and tracking him. Um, I am taking uh, Kutulava, so we're going to differ here. Uh, Dan was just trying to convince himself um, that he was taking Jacoby for real reasons, not because he was the guest on the top of the podcast this week. Correct? <laughs> but, did I, but did I take both? Oh, no, hang on. We haven't even gotten to the other guest. We'll, we'll no. talk about the other guest in a second. Yeah. See, <laughs> see, Dan is a homer, everybody. He's a homer. Um, okay, let's go to the co-main event. Featherweights, Cub Swanson, Giga Chikese. Uh, didn't Swanson. get that one either. <laughs> what? Giga Chikadze. Chikadze, fine, Dan. <laughs> fine. Guess who uh, else was on my show this week? <laughs> Giga? Yeah. Oh, so we know, we're gonna, we know who Dan's picking here. Um, because Swanson was not on his show. Swanson's 27 and 11. 12 knockouts, four submissions. He's lost seven times via submission, um, but that probably won't play a uh, um, play a factor in this fight since he's fighting a kickboxer. Um, 12 and seven in the UFC. He's been around forever. Uh, he's won two straight. Uh, before that, he lost four straight. He won won via KO his last fight. Before this, he was in WEC. WEC never die. Uh, five and three there. So he's been around forever. Striking and active striking stats in his favor. Grappling in his favor. He's at plus 135. Um, Chikazi is 12 and 2 with seven knockouts, one submission, five and 0 in the UFC. Uh, he lost in the Contender Series. He lost in World Series of Fighting. He's 0 1 in both of those. He won via TKO his last fight. He's got a 38 and 6 kickboxing, pro kickboxing record also. Four inches taller, four inches reach, five years younger, minus 170. He's, he's got to be the choice. Uh, the size, the youth, the, the striking acumen. acumen. Easy for me to say. Uh, he's got to be the choice. Plus, he was on Dan's podcast. So, yeah. So, uh, other than the fact that he was on my podcast, yes, uh, the, the size is a huge worry for me. But here's the other yeah. thing I will say too. You know, Cub Swanson went on that that kind of rough run where some people thought he was going to get cut. Right? He had lost four yep. in a row. Brian Ortega, Frankie Edgar, Hernando Moicano, Shane Burgos. Not a whole lot of shame in any of those fights. No. Right? Like no. Shane, Shane Burgos was a split decision too. He's a guy who's kind of on the fringe of the top fifteen. The other guys. We're all like, you know, ranked anywhere between two and seven in that division. He's come back with two really nice wins. He beat Cron Gracie and Daniel Pineda. But what do you know about Cron Gracie and Daniel Pineda as a you know a group of two fighters? They both love to grapple, right? So he went out there yeah. and outstruck guys who love to grapple, right? Like he went out there and told Cron Gracie, "No, you can't grapple me. You have to box me." And Cron's not going to outbox anybody. Like you know, very few people are going to get outboxed by Cron. And he made Daniel Pineda strike with him, too. And, you know, Daniel Pineda didn't look bad striking with him, but he got tagged. Giga Chikadze is not going to get tagged by Cub Swanson. I would be 
absolutely shocked if he got tagged by him because I see Giga Chikadze as a guy who's, you know, got some of the stylistic elements of a Hanato Moicano or of a Shane Burgos. He, he handles range really well. He's probably even more technical with the kickboxing. And, like, you know, for all of those reasons, you know, I just think Chikadze is just too much on the feet for Cub Swanson. Yep, we are uh, agreeing on that. So um, do you like him via finish, or, or what are you thinking? You know, it, it's really hard for me to pick Giga Chikadze by finish um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you're, you, you're right. He came out the last time like a like a bull out, out of a – or in a china shop. Man, let me, let's get the metaphor right at least. Um, like a bull in a china shop, and, and like that's all he wanted to do was to get a finish, right? Like it was really important for him to get a finish. But prior to that, he was kind of complacent in the cage to the point where he had almost lost some fights that he was clearly the better fighter in, right? Like, if you look at that fight with Brandon Davis uh, when he, you know, he first got signed to the UFC, it was a split decision. And I 100% think he's a better fighter than Brandon Davis in pretty much every realm. I feel that way about his fight with Jamal Emmers. You know, he lost, he won that one by a split decision too. And I just kind of believe that, like, if he had just put the gas on Jamal Emmers, he would have blew him out of the water and looked way better. And then we saw that with with his last couple of fights, with the Omar Morales fight he sort of poured it on, with the Jamie Simmons fight he poured it on. But I just don't know if we can count on that style all the time or if, like, Morales and Simmons were just ones he felt like he could do it to. Um, so I, I always hesitate to pick him by finish because he is a great kickboxer but i just don't know if the urgency is there for it all right there you go um one word answer could have been good you could have said yes or no but okay. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> we got we got time to burn anyway guys so it doesn't matter uh let's go to the main event light heavyweights dominic grass yuri prohashka or jury pro Chazga, if you rather. <laughs> you got to put Chaz in there. <laughs> Chaz, Dan likes Chaz. Um, all right, Dominic Reyes we'll go with first, former title challenger. He ta- A lot of people think he beat John Jones, but technically he did not. Um, Reyes 12-2, seven knockouts, two submissions. He's 6-2 in the UFC. Those two L's have come in his last two fights, so he's lost two straight. That would mean. He's itch taller, grappling stats in his favor, but Prohoshka's only fought once in the UFC, so we're talking about small samples here. Plus 108, uh, Prohoshka 27-3-1 with 24 knockouts and two submissions. So he's gotten a decision victory once. Um, 1-0 in the UFC, he won, you guessed it, via knockout. He's won 11 straight fights, 10 of those via knockout. He was the Ryzen light heavyweight champion before he moved into the UFC. He's got three inches of reach, three years younger, more active striker. But like I said, the, we're talking about small sample size. Minus 135. I'll take him out of line this this small. Thank you very much. I will gladly take him at minus 135. I can't believe he's at this line. I, I think this yeah. is one of the – you know, we talked about a whole bunch of lines being like, ooh, that one's kind of too steep. Or this – I can't understand why this one isn't way more steep. Uh, I, I, and, and, again, you know, I feel like we've, we've gone absolute prop crazy today. Yuri Prohoshka by TKO or KO is plus 130. Like, he's going to knock Dominic Reyes out. Uh, Dominic Reyes, look, I like Dominic Reyes, and I think part of the reason why this line is as close as it is is that John Jones fight, right? Like, a lot of people think he beat John Jones. There's a decent argument for, for saying he did beat John Jones. But I'll say this. John Jones did not take the fight to him, right? John Jones let them play, like, a distant striking fight basically a point karate fight, and, and Dominic Reyes could win that fight with him. Dominic Reyes won a similar fight against Vulcan Ozdemir and a similar fight against Ovin St. Preux. And the, the knockouts he does have are over, like, a very worn and weathered Chris Weidman or, you know, he finished Jared Cannonier in the wrong weight class. And, like, when he, somebody brings the fight to him, like Jan Blankovic, you saw the holes in his game. Right, like, and, and I don't mean they're huge gaping holes, and I, I don't mean to, to make it sound like you know he's terrible, but I think when somebody brings the fight to him and is a power puncher like that, I think there are holes in his defensive striking, and I think Yuri Prohashka is just wild enough and just aggressive enough that I think it's almost on a hundred percent chance here that he knocks him out. There you go, and his hair. Have you seen his hair for the fight week? The, the yes, he's got. Um, I, I don't know what to call it. Yeah, some, um, I can't remember. Is it Thai also? Is it a Thai? It, it's, I think it's some sort of um, striking um, 
sport uh, tradition, like a traditional striking sport type hair. So basically, his whole head is shaved except for what, like the where your normal bald spot would be, I guess. And there, he's got like it all braided in a huge like ponytail that's sticking up in the hair in the air, I guess. It's very hard to describe. Just check him out on. On Twitter, uh, Yuri Danisa Prochashka. I did a horrible job describing this, but he's got cool hair. Um, that's that's enough reason to pick him right there. But no, uh, we we both like him to win this fight. And Dan says he's going to knock. Well, basically, he wins every fight via knockout. So if you're going to pick him, you may as well take the prop. What's what did you say the number was, or did you plus one thirty? I was distracted by his hair at that point. Okay, <laughs> plus one thirty. Take it. Plus money, folks. Take it. All right, we gave you lots of props already. Um, so we we like Prohashka versus uh, via knockout at plus one thirty. Um, what T- else? TJ Brown by submission at plus six fifty. Um, yeah, yes, I mean, like, <laughs> that's a degenerate play. That's a huge degen play, and you know what? <laughs> I couldn't love it any more than I do right now. All right, there you go. Now we will go with our locks. I finally lost my lock. I am what five and one, six and one on my locks. Ha ha ha. Um, plus 38%. Dan is 3 and 4, minus 30, almost 30%, minus 29%. Is it your turn or my turn first? I can't remember. I always lose track of this. I never remember either, but I'm going to cede to you. Okay. I'll take Rahashka, please, and thank you. uh, for. uh, I'll just take him to win. Uh, Don't worry about the prop bet. We'll just take him to win. Minus 135 is is nice enough for for a lock pick, so he'll be my lock pick. Yeah, and I'm going to take Iga Chikadze. Um, I I think those two top fights are two of the easiest to pick and the two of the juiciest odds. Um, if you like playing negative odds, right? If you if you like playing underdogs, there are tons on this card that are sort of fun. There are tons of props in there that you can get plus money at. But you know, if I'm looking for good value here, I think Giga Chikadze to outstrike Cub Swanson is you know as close to a slam dunk as you're going to get. There you go. The first, the it's actually a pretty decent card. Now we went through it. it the at least the top. The, the main event should be fun. Lots of fun. Um, and for, as long as other, like, for as long as it lasts. For as lasts. long as it lasts. It should be fun, yeah. Um, you think Prohashka, he's right in line for a title shot if, if he wins this one um, via violent fashion. Would you not think so? I I have to assume he is, especially if it's violent. Like, if it's yeah. violent like it was again. Like, I mean, he just absolutely slept Vulcan Ozdemir. And not that light heavyweight doesn't have a lot of, like, fun and interesting options, but, like, ones that, like, get people excited. You know, I love Glover Teixeira getting a title shot. Good for him. Like, I could not be happier for the 43-year-old journeyman. But, like, that doesn't get you excited, right? Like, you're probably pretty certain he's going to get flatlined by Jan Blankovic because Jan Blankovic punches really freaking hard. And what you want to see Jan Blankovic go against is somebody else who punches really freaking hard. Uh, so I think Yuri Prohoshka is just easy to sell from that point. Um, yep. he, he also has got a, a pretty large fan base being, you know, a European guy who fought most of his career in Asia um, and has now come to the U.S. And, and people seem to be taking to him pretty well in the U.S. because he's a great personality. So, yep. yeah, I think he comes out here and puts Dominic Reyes to sleep in a round. And, and we're definitely talking about him getting the winner of Glover in uh, – and Jan. There you go. Should uh, should it be fun? Um, and then next, the week after, like next week coming up, was supposed to be Sanhagen versus Dillashaw, but TJ Dillashaw's got a nasty cut above his eye, so he's out of that fight. It looks like they're going to make a women's strawweight belt the main event uh, versus Michelle Watterson and Marina Rodriguez, and Watterson's going to get slaughtered, but... <laughs> that's I, had, I had not seen that until you yeah. just literally said those. Like I'm, yeah. I'm reacting to this in real time right now. Yeah. Why? Rodriguez is going to kill it. Why? Yeah. Why? Because <laughs> uh, Watterson is someone that they can plug and play in in a main event at short notice. That's why. But yeah, this isn't a good matchup for. Her. She, she's probably, tough. It's she, probably going to be great for the marketing of Marina Rodriguez too. I yeah, that's say. true. She's got to yeah. come out looking very nice. Yes. Um. I don't think there's any other really n- big news. Uh, I still have way too much Jake Paul in my news feed, so I <laughs> wish that would stop. But it's every day I get multiple Jake Paul from reputable, reputable um, MMA sites. I'm getting a bunch of Jake Paul headlines. Other than that, do you think there's any news that we should hit on, or, or can we put this one to bed, do you think? No, nah, I think we can put this one to bed. That, that right. you, you, just, uh, you just gave me weird... Uh, excitement that suddenly there is a, a main event next week 
That isn't the one I wanted because I, I was pretty bummed Dillashaw isn't going to get his head taken off by Corey Sanhagen. Yeah, I was kind of such a likable like, guy. Yeah, I I love Corey. Corey Sanhagen is like the nicest dude on the planet, yeah. and TJ Dillashaw is not that. Um, <laughs> and so when you tell me I get uh, one-sided uh, violence, I'm probably going to appreciate that in yeah, that a, in that place. He's a sick, sick man, everyone. He's <laughs> sick. Make sure you follow him for all his sick thoughts over at Gumby Vreeland on Twitter. That's a segue. Um, and I would be Jeff Fox Reiter. Um, what else can you do until we hit you your lobes again? Your, maybe not your lobes, maybe your ear holes. Um, you can read our stuff on sportsgamblingpodcast.com. I will have written breakdown of all the fights, um, should be there Thursday morning or thir- maybe not morning. Yeah, g- give me give me to the afternoon, please. Uh, Thursday afternoon. Um, and Dan says he's working on some stories for the site too. <laughs> uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, and then also MMA-manifesto.com. Uh, Dan does have an article on there. I just printed today, uh, published today. I guess we don't print things anymore. Uh, Luma Look Boon Me uh, is his prelim pick of the week, the one to look out for. So check out that, and while you're there, make sure you enter our pick'em contest because uh, the good, the good bosses at Sports Gambling Podcast are giving away fifty bucks to whoever wins that contest. So, um, oh, and make sure you obviously um, make sure you follow our new feed and make sure you give us five stars because we deserve it because we're the best. Make sure you comment on how I carry the show and Dan is dead weight. Um, if you think otherwise, do not comment, please. If you're my ten year old son, do not comment, please because I know what your comments are, and I do not want them in in the public uh, realm. Um, other than that, um, all I have to say, like I say every week, is au revoir, mes amis. <laughs>